everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. The Bible is so full of inconsistencies and contradictions, you simply cannot trust it. Have you heard this before? Yes. <laughs> Today we are looking over 2 Samuel 24. 1 Chronicles 21 and 22, and then Psalm 30. And it may be one of the better examples uh, that people use as biblical contradictions, trying to make the case that because the Bible even contradicts itself, you just simply can't trust it. Well, we started out our readings today. Ryan was reading from 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 24. I keep getting these all mixed up. And then I read um, some of... First Chronicles. So because we're reading this in a chronological way, some of these stories repeat themselves. But what was interesting about today's was that when Ryan had read it, um, we are talking about David and how, again, he's just kind of like, kind of fallen off the, the straight and narrow a little bit and kind of starting to do his own thing. So he decides to take a, it would be like a census, right? Of, yeah, it's a census. Of the, the nation of Israel. But the reason that he does it is because in Ryan's uh, passage, it said that he did this because God, um, God's anger kindled towards David. So what did it say? He like handed him over. Do you remember what that said on your passage? Uh, it says the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he incited, incited. David against them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's what Ryan's passage said. And then when I read my passage, uh, it referred to Satan actually being the one uh, who was tempting David to do this. Um, very much what, but I don't know, it seemed to me to sound a lot like Job, um, like Satan is sent on behalf of of God to to tempt him. And I guess not even just tempt him, it was more to, to see how far he could go yeah. before Job would break. Um, but that is the interesting thing. Um, so we've got these two opposing uh, stories of the same exact event with different people and causing not, David to stumble. It's not just any old contradiction either. Like like yeah. <laughs> like Second Samuel says God did it, and First Chronicles says Satan did it. That's mm. kind of a big deal. It's not like well, you know, the names basically mean the same thing in Hebrew. No, these are like God or Satan. Um, yeah, it's not like there really is no wiggle room either for like, well, maybe they meant this. Right. Nope, that's pretty confusing. So uh, I think probably the best way to take a stab at explaining this is the end of Genesis. I think it's chapter 50 talks about how what you intended for evil, the Lord meant for good. This is Joseph addressing his brothers, saying that when you sold me into slavery, you were doing evil, but God meant to do good. Had Joseph's brothers never sold him into slavery, the nation of Israel would never have been preserved because Joseph would not have ended up in Egypt to be able to provide food for his family to preserve Israel. So God in Genesis, I mean, throughout Genesis, but specifically in Genesis 50, is seen as allowing wicked people to do wicked things because we have a choice uh, sometimes. Uh, he's allowing wicked people to do wicked things to preserve his ultimate plan that is very far from wicked. It's ultimately a righteous, good, holy plan. And so that is what's happening here in 2 Samuel 24 and 1 Chronicles 21. God is allowing David's own prideful, sinful heart 
um, to mislead him because of his own sin. We've seen that before. Uh, to ultimately provide a place to build the temple so that he can be worshipped. I mean, the, the Temple Mount is still the Temple Mount today. You can go visit it. It doesn't look the same. <laughs> um, but that site was bought and is preserved until this day. So God is allowing David to be sinful at David's own accord and own account um, so that he can provide a purpose and a plan for his people. It's just like Genesis 50. It's very similar. So did God do it or did Satan do it? Ultimately, God is sovereign and God is overseeing what is allowed to happen. And Satan is just like a chump, actually. He's not allowed to do anything. I was going to say, are you going to refer refer to him as that again? That was Mm -hmm. pretty funny earlier. Yeah. Anyway, so we have this story kind of unfolding and I think it's refreshing I really appreciate the narratives. The story about the massive pestilence that kills thousands of people well, is refreshing. Not, not that. <laughs> the fact that we are actually back into um, more of this narrative story. I like to see the things unfolding naturally. Um, whereas when we get stuck in those psalms like sometimes, it's, around. Like, whew, it's a little much. But um, something that I really appreciated today was um, just seeing again the torch being passed along as David is kind of like, he's not totally handing it off yet because he doesn't totally have like the full confidence in Solomon. Uh, But he is telling him like, Hey, I have like, I've shed too much blood. Like there's way too much blood on my hands for me to do this, but I want you to be the one that is like getting this temple prepared and ready to go. And he, he's repeating what God had already told him. Right, right. You're not allowed to do it. Your son's going to do it. But isn't that funny? That's like his kind of stamp of you're not allowed. Moses' stamp was you're not allowed to go to the promised land. Yeah. And like just such crazy things. It's interesting that David has shed so much blood and been a part of so much war. Yeah. That God says, hey, your hands can't build my house. But it's interesting too because his hands were also like doing what the Lord said. So that's kind of a tension. Not all the time. Remember, he, he murdered Uriah yes, the Hittite. Yes, 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 that's true. Um, he he uh, sought to kill, what, Na- Nabal, um, Abigail's husband. Was that his name? Such a weird name. He, he's done yes. a lot of not great things. Right. So also, uh, just to tie up some of these inconsistencies, there are three major ones here. The first one is the God versus Satan situation. Uh, the second one, if you're paying attention to the numbers of the census, Second uh, Samuel gives a number, I believe it is like 1.3 million. And First Chronicles gives a number that is, it's like... 1.1. Yeah, but that plus Judah. So it's like 1.57. Uh, they're not the same. And it is, it is what a lot of people say is Second Samuel is much more of an approximation. And First Chronicles is much more of an exact, closer number. Well, they even said in the Second Chronicle or First Chronicles reading mm-hmm. that um, Joab didn't even like bother to count some of them because he was just like so angered by it. Joab was furious about yeah. this. Uh, this, I think, another example. It's such a silly thing. So, like, what's the point of counting them again? So the the issue at hand, there's two issues with the census. One is that they were not supposed to do that. They were supposed to have faith that the Lord would provide. That's why Joab mm. says right away, will, will God not give us the men that we need? Like, what he's saying is, David, we're not supposed to do this. We're supposed to trust that the Lord will provide. Mm-hmm. And so the issue seems to be that David is in a place of pride and ambition. Uh, and also, they don't collect the poll tax that is required by Exodus chapter 30. 
So if they're going to count the people, they have to collect a tax to do so, and they don't Why? do that either. It's just a commandment. That seems silly. So they're just, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and so the, the second contradiction is these numbers, and that can be easily explained by approximations. Like even at home, when you talk about the amount of money in your bank account, if you're a husband and a wife, you might say a different number, but you mean the same thing. You know, it's like, it's like, we literally have $12 in our checking account. It's like, well, no, actually we have $13 and 15 cents, but. (laughs) Peek into our lives. Yeah. (laughs) And then the final, um, the final contradiction um, is the price of the, the, ultimately the Temple Mount. If you're not aware of what's going on, David ends up buying this location, this, this threshing floor, this plot of land that is the site for the temple. And second Samuel says he pays 50 shekels of silver, uh, for the threshing floor and the oxen. And first Chronicles says he pays 600 shekels of gold by weight for the site. Quite a difference. <laughs> it's, it's quite a difference. One, the material is silver, then it's gold. And it's not even like opposite where it's like, oh, it's like 30 pieces of gold. That could be the equivalent of this. No, it's actually the opposite where there's so much more gold. So the way to reconcile this is that in second Samuel, uh, David is paying for the oxen and for the threshing floor, like the immediate small mm-hmm. site. Um, in First Chronicles, I shouldn't use the word site because First Chronicles uses the word site. It's the entire location. So the first account is this small spot, and the second account is this giant temple mount. So it makes sense that he pays fifty shekels of silver for the oxen and the like, you know, where the wheat was threshed. And it is huge. It's huge, yes. And so it makes sense that the price is much higher. And so, once again, these contradictions do not discredit the Bible. They just show that um, when you recount something, you have different points of perspective. Well, you kind of see that, too, even in the New Testament, when you're talking about the different Gospels and the yeah. um, the accounts as they were written down according to those different individuals. So. My favorite way to illustrate this, and I do this with students all the time, is that if if you have five people in a room and you ask all five people what the room looks like, almost certainly they will all say something different. And so I go around the table and say, hey, you describe the room. You describe the room. They all say something different. And then I say, who lied? Well, nobody lied. They all were describing the exact same room. It's just when you have five different perspectives, you have five different accounts. Right. And so here we're getting different accounts of the same story. It doesn't mean that they're contradictory and can't be believed. Also, it seems kind of ridiculous to try to prove a contradiction in one chapter of one book to say that all 66 are unreliable and therefore the theology mm-hmm. of God is unreliable. It's crazy. Um, so I guess this is a Bible nerd sidetrack, uh, but I do enjoy pointing out these things. So as far as a year apart from today, um, outside of the extra credit Bible nerdery, um, is that nerdery. a word? Nerdery? Um, I think a great angle on this story is David's sin was pride and ambition. And because he had this unrelented pride that is obvious when you read into the story, um, a lot of people suffered. And so, uh, again, this is this this idea of community over individuals. So when the king sins, it affects the people. Mm -hmm. Um, But his unchecked pride is what leads to this issue. And even his wise commander, Joab, Joab's like literally usually the guy that's saying, hey, David, cool it, man. This is not a great idea. Even when he gets a gut check from his commander, he just pushes forward anyway. And so David's unchecked pride was incredibly dangerous to his people. 
Um, and you know what? I think, I think that is applicable to us today where I see that the most. So I'm a youth pastor. Um, I see that a lot in families. And so that's actually kind of my takeaway for today. Like if you're in a place of, you know, significant pride or ambition, it affects more than just you. It affects the people around you. And it does actually have like sometimes deep seated consequences. Um, you know, the results of your unchecked pride and ambition. So I think it is good to have wise counselors. David should have listened to Joab. Um, if there are people in your life that are good at keeping in your, you in check, you should listen to them. <laughs> um, but ultimately, we should pursue humility before God. And we should, one of the ways we pursue humility is by trusting that God will provide, uh, that God will make a way, uh, and we can be still and know that he is God and trust in him. So just an encouragement to you, uh, pray to the Lord, be still and know that he is God, and keep your pride in check. Uh, you are not in control. God is. So we'll be back again tomorrow. See you then. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing. Uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word. And your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. 2 Samuel 24. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Go through all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba, and number the people, that I may know the number of the people. But Joab said to the king, May the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my lord the king still see it. But why does my lord the king delight in this thing? But the king's word prevailed against Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan and began from Aor and from the city that is in the middle of the valley toward Gad and on to Jazer. Then they came to Gilead and to Kadesh in the land of the Hittites. And they came to Dan and from Dan they went around to Sidon and came to the fortress of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. And they went out to the Negev of Judah and at Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. And Joab gave the sum of the numbering of the people to the king. In Israel there were eight hundred thousand valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were five hundred thousand. But David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet in Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you, choose one of them, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him, and said to him, Shall three years of famine come to you in your land, or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days of pestilence in your land? Now consider and decide that answer. I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hands of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time. And there died of the people of Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand towards Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from his calamity, 
and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Aruna looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Aruna went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to the servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Aruna said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Aruna gives to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Aruna, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. First Chronicles 21 Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, Go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan, and bring me a report, that I may know their number. But Joab said, May the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. Are they not, my lord the king, all of them my lord's servants? Why then should the Lord require this? Why should it be a cause of guilt for Israel? But the king's word prevailed against Joab. So Joab departed and went through all Israel and came back to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the numbering of the people to David. In all of Israel there were one million one hundred thousand men who drew the sword, and in Judah four hundred seventy thousand who drew the sword. But he did not include Levi and Benjamin in the numbering, for the king's command was abhorrent to Joab. But God was displeased with this thing, and he struck Israel. And David said to God, I have sinned greatly in that I have done this thing, but now please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. The Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you. Choose one of them, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Choose what you will, either three years of famine or three months of devastation by your foes, while the sword of your enemies overtakes you, or else three days of the sword of the Lord, pestilence on the land, with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is very great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. And God sent the angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. But as he was about to destroy it, the Lord saw, and he relented from his calamity. And he said to the angel who was working destruction, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Ornon, the Jebusite. 
And David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between the earth and the heaven, and in his hand a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders, clothed in their sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said to God, Was it not I who gave the command to number the people? Is it I who have sinned and done great evil? But these sheep, what have they done? Place your hand, O Lord my God, be against me and against my father's house, but do not let the plague be on your people. Now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and rise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. He turned and saw the angel. And his four sons, who were with him, hid themselves. As David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out on the threshing floor and paid homage to David with his face to the ground. And David said to Ornan, Give me the site of the threshing floor, that I may build on it an altar to the Lord. Give it to me at its full price, that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Ornan said to David, Take it, and let my lord the king do what seems good to him. See, I have given the oxen for burnt offerings, and the threshing sledges for wood, and the wheat for a grain offering. I give it all. But David said to Ornan, No, but I will buy them for the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David paid Ornan six hundred shekels of gold by weight for the site. And David built there an altar to the Lord and presented burnt offerings and peace offerings and called to the Lord. And the Lord answered him with fire from heaven upon the altar of burnt offering. Then the Lord commanded the angel, and he put his sword back into its sheath. At that time, when David saw the Lord had answered him at the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, he sacrificed there. For the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses had made in the wilderness, and the altar of the burnt offering, were at that time in the high place of Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid of the sword of the angel of the Lord. Then David said, Here shall be the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of the burnt offerings for Israel. David commanded to gather together the resident aliens who were in the land of Israel. And he set the stonecutters to prepare dressed stones for building the house of God. David also provided great quantities of iron for nails for the doors and gates for the clamps, as well as bronze in quantities beyond weighing and cedar timbers without number. For the Sidonians and the Tyrians brought great quantities of cedar to David. For David said, Solomon my son is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, of fame and glory throughout all the lands. I will therefore make preparation for it. So David provided materials in great quantity before his death. Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, My son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name, because you have shed so much blood before me on the earth. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. I will give rest from all the surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days." He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. Now, my son, the Lord be with you, so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God, as he has spoken concerning you. Only may the Lord grant you dis 
transgression and understanding, and when he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and rules the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. With great pains I have provided for the house of the Lord. One hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, and bronze and iron beyond weighing. For there is so much of it, timber and stone too, I have provided. To these you must add, you have an abundance of workmen, stonecutters, masons, carpenters, and all kinds of craftsmen, without number, skilled in working gold, silver, bronze, and iron. Arise and work. The Lord be with you. David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not given you peace on every side? For he has delivered the inhabitants of the land into my hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and his people. Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God, so that the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God may be brought into a house built for the name of the Lord. Psalm chapter 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up, and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought my soul up from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.